And hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MS Money Moves podcast, your audio destination for all things biotechnology. My name is Chris, your host, the CPO here at MS Money Moves. And in today's episode, we will be reviewing recent news and then taking a look at the week up ahead. So for those of you that are new to us, we are a company that focuses on investing and trading within the biotechnology sector. We seek to help augment your due diligence by providing our subscribers with nightly trade ideas, SMS alerts, and research articles. But before we go any further, I just want to remind our listeners of our disclaimer. MS Money Moves and its affiliates are not registered financial advisors. Our content should serve as educational material to help you conduct due diligence and research. Content is not a directive or recommendation to invest in any security. We reserve the right to buy or sell any security for ourselves without any notification except when required by law. We are not responsible for the action of our affiliates. Investment theses may change due to the variable nature of the securities market. Because of this, there is great risk when investing in stocks and options, which can result in capital loss. Everyone should conduct their own research and due diligence before making an investment decision. We recommend you consult a financial advisor regarding any investment action. All right, so now let's get to it. Uh, Last week, looking back on Tuesday, we learned that the FDA has accepted the biological license application for Bluebird Bio, which trades under the ticker BLUE. Their candidate Idacaptogene Viclosel, um, which is also being dubbed Idacel or BB2121, uh, given that name is a mouthful, no doubt. And that's for the treatment of relapsed or refractory multiple myeloma. Uh, the PDUFA date for this candidate is under priority review, and the FDA's target action date is March 27th, 2021. Moving on into smaller companies, Aquestive Therapeutics, with trades under the ticker AQST, revealed that they received a complete response letter, or a CRL, for their drug candidate, Liberant, um, which is the uh, brand name for generic product diazepam. Uh, This drug is commonly used to treat seizure disorders. Uh, This rejection from the FDA relates to concerns for certain weight groups showing lower drug exposure levels than anticipated. Uh, Aquestive did say that they intend to provide additional modeling to the FDA, which should hopefully avoid the need for additional clinical trials. The ambitious goal by Questive is to have a meeting with the FDA and refile that NDA by the end of this year, 2020, and then hopefully receive a PDUFA date and approval within the first half of 2021. As I said, this seems awfully ambitious, and I'm just not certain that I can see all this happening uh, within the next nine months and meeting their goal of a approval within the first half of 2021. Moving on into the large cap world, the FDA accepted Pfizer's supplemental new drug application for their candidate Crizotinib, which is marketed under the brand name Zalcori. Um, just a reminder, Pfizer trades under the ticker PFE. Uh, this supplemental new drug application, or SNDA, will be for the treatment of pediatric patients with relapsed or refractory systemic anaplastic large cell lymphoma that is ALK positive, and that is a genetic mutation. The PDUFA date for this filing is expected in January of 2021, so this should be a pretty rapid turnaround for this supplemental new drug application. Additional approvals that we saw in the past week included Bausch's Health, um, Alloway product, which is a preservative-free OTC eye drop for the relief of itchy eyes due to pollen, ragweed, grass, animal hair, and dander. We also saw um, Glasgow Smith Kleins with trades under the ticker GSK, um, 
receive approval for mepolizumab, which is marketed under the brand name Nucala for the treatment of severe hypereosinophilic syndrome, which is often abbreviated HES. That's a little bit of review of things that happened in the realm of FDA regulatory environment last week. So let's take a look at the coming week. We have a PDUFA date on Tuesday, September 29th for Eton Pharmaceuticals, which trades under the ticker ETON. The drug under review here is Alkindi Sprinkles, which is a taste-neutral granule formulation of hydrocortisone. This is under review for the indication of replacement therapy for pediatric patients or those patients less than 17 years of age with adrenal insufficiency. In adrenal insufficiency, the body produces inadequate levels of cortisol, which can cause delayed or stunted physical development, reproductive irregularities, and could potentially be fatal. Hydrocortisone is currently the standard of care for the treatment of adrenal insufficiency. However, oral hydrocortisone is only FDA-approved in high-strength tablet formulations designed for adult patients. The lowest strength currently available is 5 milligrams, but many pediatric patients require significantly lower doses and has issues with precise titration of the drug. To address this unmet need, Eaton Pharmaceuticals says that caregivers are often required to split tablets into fractional doses, which then raises the risk of over or underdosing. Eaton furthermore states that they believe the market opportunity for all kindy sprinkles in the United States is greater than $100 million annually. Eaton currently has a market cap of around $170 million and is up around 10% year to date. I will note though that the Alloway product that was approved just last week by Balsh and Lamb was actually licensed from Eaton, Pharma from Eaton Pharmaceuticals. This product is expected to launch in the spring of 2021. And when that happens, Eaton is eligible for a $1.5 million milestone payment from Bausch and Lamb, and Eaton will also receive a 12% royalty on any net sales. Moving on into our second Padufa date on the upcoming week. Um, this will be on Wednesday, September 30th. And this Padufa date is for Mesoblast, which trades under the ticker M-E-S-O. Their candidate is Remastem Cell L, which is marketed under the brand name Ryoncell. And the proposed indication is for the treatment of steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease in children. If this is approved, Mesoblast is prepared to make the product available to patients immediately. Ryoncell is an investigational therapy comprising stem cells derived from the bone marrow of an unrelated donor. It is administered to patients in a series of IV infusions and is believed to have immunomodulatory properties to counteract the inflammatory processes that are implicated in steroid refractory acute graft-versus-host disease. It does this by downregulating the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines and increasing the production of anti-inflammatory cytokines. This allows the recruitment of naturally occurring anti-inflammatory cells into the evolved tissues. The key here is that this care therapy is what we call off the shelf. This means that the therapy can be given to people without regards to their relationship or their genetic similarities. Currently, most cell therapies like CAR T therapies require a long, long and arduous manufacturing process. This includes harvesting cells from the patient, sending them to the biopharma company for the cells to be engineered to attack cancer cells. Then the cells are shipped back to the hospital and infused to the patient. This whole process can take a few weeks and is obviously not ideal for giving patients the therapies they need. The reason that this needs to be done is that most cells express proteins that the body will recognize as foreign 
unless it is derived strictly from the patient themselves. What Mesoblast has done with their product candidate is essentially utilize a specific cell line that does not express these proteins and thus can be given to most any patient, reducing the time delay for that administration of a life-saving therapy. Now, beyond this PDUFA date, MISO actually has an action-packed couple of months ahead of them. Not only do we have this PDUFA date, which was supported by a favorable 9-to-1 vote in an ADCOM meeting, but they also have two phase three readouts of other candidates, one being for chronic low back pain and for advanced end-stage heart failure, both of which are expected to occur in the fourth quarter. Given the anti-inflammatory effects of Remistel-L, Mesoblast is also studying this candidate for the treatment of acute respiratory distress syndrome due to COVID-19. The phase three trial of COVID-19 is due for their second interim analysis, which the results may be released at any time now. At the end of the last quarter, Mesoblast had $130 million in their bank with a cash burn of around $80 million for the year prior. So their going concern seems pretty minimal at this point. So in summary, we have two PDUFA dates upcoming, one being Mesoblast, which trades under the ticker MESO. And the second PDUFA date is on Tuesday, September 29th, and that's for Eton Pharmaceuticals, which trades under the ticker ETON. We hope that this episode was educational for you, our listeners. We'd like to thank our current subscribers. And for those of you who are not yet subscribers, we encourage you to check out our website at www.msmoneymoves.com and consider subscribing. Allow us to help supplement your biotechnology due diligence. We have flexible plans, which include free trials. Regardless of the payment option you choose, you're able to cancel at any time. We look forward to catching you on the next episode, which I'll be joined by one of my colleagues, Mr. Sultan Beardsley. We'll be discussing Arcus Pharmaceuticals, and we hope you can catch us then. Best of luck, all.